Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, no, he ain't dancing. He ain't doing all that. It's too hot. No swag. <laughs> it's too hot for swag. Yeah. Kind of hot out there, folks. Way Kinda hot. hot. Oh. Way hot on the Northeast. Uh, what it was, it was what, about 93 degrees today here in Connecticut, but the humidity was unbearable. Yeah. Yep. The humidity was thick. Yep. Cut it with a knife. Yeah. Or fort. And it was a good day to take a <laughs> it was a good day to take a vacation day too. Yes. <laughs> no comment. Uh, I did. <laughs> I know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I see a few more in my future. I oh, him. He's on the couch. Uh, yeah, I'm home. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> lazy. Well, <laughs> yeah, moving right along. That's, that's that's called pay time off. Yeah, <laughs> we'll keep it at that. You got some paid time on. Uh, I was in. It was incredible. Um, I was sad that I missed the last uh, episode uh, working, but you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Benjamin and Franklin—they don't come walking in the door. You got to go get them. Yeah. <laughs> Shake that money maker, man. <laughs> that's a vivid sight. I don't know about that, viewers. Uh, Brian, go in. Please tell us about the subscribe button. Yeah, uh, we at ExoSports would like to thank all our viewers and listeners for their support. Uh, we're currently streaming on all podcast platforms. Um, if you're currently watching on YouTube, uh, be sure to click the subscribe and hit the our gently tap the notification bell that'll be greatly appreciated and then also let you know when we are streaming live also feel free to join in on the show either by uh the comment section you can join in or you can also call in number is 475-221-5006 as well so thanks everybody thank you guys uh the passing of NBA legend, 11-time NBA champion Bill Walton, I'm not Bill Walton, Bill Russell passed away at the age of 88. That's truly sad. Yeah. Guys, yeah. What are your feelings on the passing of an NBA legend, Bill Russell? Oh, I'll let you go. So, uh, like you said, it's very sad. The NBA lost a true legend, um, true ambassador to the game. I uh, never got the opportunity to see him play live, um, but I just watching NBA TV. Um, I did see a lot of footage of him, and just from a basketball standpoint, what stood out to me was just um, his ability to block shots. Um, you look. Over the past couple of days, I went back and I, you know, watched some some more film on him, and I think he could have played in today's game because he was just so um, quick for his size. Um, he was mm-hmm. agile, you know. And, and one of the things um, that you don't see today um, that he did, um, he could block shots so easily. He wouldn't block the shot and send it into the stands. He would block the shot and tip it to himself and get the fast break going or he would mm-hmm. tip it to one of his teammates so they could start that um, fast break that the Celtics were so famous for back in the mid 50s and early 60s um, you know so I mean you talk when a lot of people bring up GOAT conversations Bill Russell um, is almost like an afterthought but if you look at his career like you said Aaron 11 championships with the Celtics. Um, I think he won like eight straight from like 1959 to 1966. Uh, five-time MVP, 12-time All-Star. And I he won two titles as a coach too. Um, and he was the first black head coach in the NBA to win a championship. Yeah, yeah, yep. So, and to top that off, he's a two-time NCAA champion and a U.S. Olympic gold winner. Um, 
happened. So, I mean, that that's just his contributions to the game of basketball. You know, that's a lot right there. Um, as far as off the court, you know, he was kind of one of those pivotal figures in the civil rights movement. Um, I know he marched with Dr. Martin Luther King when he gave his I Have a Dream speech. And he was a good friend of uh, Muhammad Ali, especially, and he supported him, you know, when Muhammad Ali was kind of going through some tough times. Um, he didn't want to be drafted by the military, but, you know, even though, like I said, I didn't get a chance to see him play, but just from what I saw, how he interacted with, you know, the, the players that came after him, you know, he always had a smile on his face and he always laughed, man. So, and he, he went through a lot, you know, he went through um, a lot of, or experienced a lot of racism during his time, especially in Boston. Um, but, you know, it's what he saw in his lifetime, it never got him down. Like I said, every time I saw him, he always had a smile on his face and he was joyful. So he's going to be sorely missed, sorely mm-hmm. missed. Uh, Brian. Yeah, as T said, he definitely was ambassador um, for sports and uh, and 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 life as as well. And as Terry went through some of the accolades that he did go through, um, accomplishments, I should say rather, because there I I didn't even I knew about his his NBA career, but I did not know about he won two uh, championships uh, state. For high school, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I didn't know about the two championships in college. I did not know that. Uh, he brought University San Francisco, uh, 1955 and 56. I knew about the gold medal. I did know about that. But with that, he had a stellar career, um, as, as Terry kind of mentioned as well. When you talk about the Mount Rushmore's, people tend to overlook him as 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 one of the greats. But... His career-wise, he's checked every box off that you can check. Uh, got like you say, he got coaching, he got that, and then you got the other aspect of outside of the game, just in life and in general. You know, I thought I always thought he was a seven-footer. That was another thing that I thought. Mm-hmm. I did not know he was six ten. Yeah, but being six ten, uh, he, he stood much taller than that. And when I say that, I'm not talking about in height and I'm not talking about in sports. I'm talking about just in life, you know, going through uh, a lot of the taunts and, uh, you know, threats and adversity that he had to go through uh, being a professional black athlete um, is something that we can't imagine um, to the, the way he handled it and had dignity and always was class personified. So, you got to, you know, just give respect for that. And hopefully we can build off of what he laid down the foundation for and we can continue to grow off of that. And he was a genius. He was a genius where when he played up against Bill Walton. Not Bill Walton, Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain? Okay. Yes. Where that Wilt had the the strength the movement and he knew it and in an interview he said when he had to go up against Wilt he made sure he would take him out to dinner (laughs) and have a good time with him and he knew that if he did that with Wilt Wilt wouldn't play angry and if Wilt played angry he knew what was going to get the best of him. So he was smart to know, be nice to the big man. Don't get him upset. And that was pretty smart on his part. What I find amazing about Wilt, 11 NBA championships, and we talk about Michael Jordan We talk about LeBron. You can even throw Brady in there. He is the GOAT. He is the GOAT standing at 6'10 on top of the mountain 
and looking down at those guys saying, you're not up here with me. You can talk all the Michael Jordan, blah, blah, blah. I'm the one count my rings. I'm the man up here. I am the big man with 11 NBA championship rings. Now imagine having 11 NBA championship rings out of your career. That's pretty impressive. Put all everything together, all the rings just, well, yeah. (laughs) The, uh, one of the things that I would have loved to have seen to just be in the background and they couldn't see me is to watch Bill Russell, Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali, and Lou Alcinda at that time in a room talking mm. yeah. about life. How can we make things better for people? Yeah. That uh, I, I, I would have, I would have just loved to have been in the room just to hear these guys talk about how can we make life better for people? Yeah. Not talking about, Hey, did you see that girl down at the other end of when we were walking into the hotel or at the club, these guys were talking about how can we make lives better for people? Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. I mean, these guys were at the prime of their careers Yeah, and they're thinking about how can we make lives better for people, not just today, but forever. Yeah. At, at a time when being a black athlete mm-hmm. was frowned upon it, it could have hurt your career. Yeah. Or, athlete. or yeah. taking your life. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. And, and you know what's funny? I, I, it was just, just, uh, it might have been two weeks ago, I'm thinking. I was wearing a shirt, a Muhammad Ali shirt, and it said I was the greatest, or he was the greatest. Um, and one of my daughters came and she was like, well, why was he the greatest? And, and I just kind of broke it down to her a little bit. I was like, when he was saying that at that time, it went beyond just skills for viewers of our culture. It was to have uh, a person that looked like us to be on TV, to speak out in the way that he did. But I, I just kind of explained to her about things that he did, things that he stood up for, didn't go into the war, his beliefs. And I was like, that's something that people idolize. And that's why we look at him as the greatest. Yeah. As, yeah. as Aaron said, he, you know, those guys paved the way for our athletes today. Yeah. As well as ourselves. And and it's and it was beautiful when you would see him bringing the trophies to the to the guys that win the NBA championship. And you know the man is a little older, maybe a little bit more frail. But when he came with the trophy, they treated him with respect. Here comes Mr. Russell with yeah, Mr. Russell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's beautiful. Yeah. And he will surely be missed. For sure. Yes. Um, Vince Scully also passed away. And and for the people that um, listen to the show and watch the show, um, Emerson is a huge Dodgers fan. And he couldn't be with us today, but he kept ringing in my ear. And I was like, oh, my goodness, how much more am I going to hear? And he would, he made it to the production meeting. He says, you guys got to make sure you talk about Vince Scully. Uh, uh, Gore, 
Gore, you remember some of the things about, I'm like, yes, Emerson. Okay. Just make sure you talk about, I'm like, oh my goodness, go to work now. <laughs> but Vince Scully, um, imagine guys, 67 years with both the Dodgers and the Brooklyn Dodgers, mm-hmm. a gift, gifted story, storyteller worked alone most of the time broadcasting more than 9,000 baseball games during a career that spanned seven decades. Yeah. Uh, He was behind the microphone either on radio or television. And listen to this one. 28 World Series, 20 no-hitters, four perfect games. Yeah. And I'll never forget he, when he did the uh, the Dodgers and the Oakland Athletics. And to, for, the Dodgers were losing in the World Series. And they brought in Kirk Gibson. Mm-hmm. And for people that um, Kirk Gibson played most of his career for the Detroit Tigers. He was a big athletic man when he when he was young with the tigers but when he got to the dodgers he was and let's i'm gonna be honest he was old and he had a bad knee and for some odd reason tommy lasorda let him pitch hit and he fouled off a couple and then boom he hit the home run to win the game and if you could have heard Vince Scully broadcast it, it was it was a part of um, baseball history. And the guy was really great at his craft. Yeah. And yeah, him and him and Chick Hearns had the West Coast broadcasting down. Chick Hearns, yeah. if y'all didn't know that, he did the Laker games. So they both had it locked down. And they were very good. Yeah, he surely will be missed. 94 years old, Vince Scully. Yeah. Yeah. He called he called a lot of like like you said, Gore, a lot of no hitters, but that that Kurt Gibson mm-hmm. game. But he called um what was it? Uh I saw he did Sandy Colfax's perfect game in sixty five. Hank Aaron. Yeah, Hank Aaron. Yeah. 715th home run in 74. Um, yep. He did, uh, what was it, Don Larson's perfect game in 56. And I didn't realize this, um, but he did Buckner's, uh, that game six era. In when the ball World just Series. rolled through his legs. Yeah. Yeah, so he's seen a lot of baseball history. Yeah. Yeah. That's 715. Hey, was that, where was that at? That was in Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta, right? Yeah. And I, I'll never forget the, uh, I think it was a few days later, um, uh, daddy, our father got us, got me a, um, a, uh, a tablet with Hank Aaron on it. I didn't use it that much for school, but he gave it to me. <laughs> Should have paid more attention in school. Uh, trying to give you some some kind of incentive yeah. or some kind of inspiration. <laughs> inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Inspiration. Yeah. Like, uh... Well, I didn't have it. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving right along. Yeah. I just want to say um, hello to Bethany Grace in chat tonight. Bethany Hello. Grace, what's up? Hello, Bethany Grace. <laughs> as Morris Day, as Morris Day would say, Grace. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you for being a listener to EXO Sports Talk. Definitely, yes. Guys, uh, Major League Baseball trades. What guys, what trades do you think was big in for team? Terry. Uh, I mean, you gotta go with to me. Um, 
the Yankees, you know, they they pulled off a trade, you know, they they got a good starting pitcher and Frankie Montas. Got their bullpen a little stronger by what they picked up Lou Trevino and Scott Afros. Um, and all this, I mean, these guys are, let's say what? You guys are at 70 wins, if not 70 plus wins? Yeah. Yeah. Already? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, and then you add it um to your outfield, you got Harrison Bader and Andrew Benintendi. Um, yeah. so and all that, you guys, with the team you have, you add it, made it better. And if you really look at it, I mean, you didn't really give up any top prospects to do it, you know. So you didn't, I guess, lose your future to bring these guys in. And Yankee fans can say what they want to say about Brian Cashman, but the man knows how to make some deals. So, yeah, I it's sometimes Cashman as um. You um you you want to tell him at times spend and then at times you want to say but don't bring this guy in. Case in point, uh, last year, uh, Malcolm was well. We were going back and forth about <laughs> um, the know. hitter. Um, oh, I can see his name and and his oh man, he played Gallo? for you, Joey Gallo. Yeah. And I told Malcolm's like, we got him. And I said, Malcolm, that's the worst thing the Yankees could have done. And because he was, we already had judge that strikes out a lot. Yeah. We already had Carlos Stanton that strikes out a lot. So why are you adding another guy in that just shortens up the game? And he's like, no, 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 he's going to turn around. And then this year he threw up the white flag and said, yeah, Bruh, you're right. <laughs> he sucks. Goes with the territory. That's how uh, you got to take a gamble. Do you do you think the Yankees with the moves they made? Do you think chemistry wise, you think they might have messed it up a little bit? I think they messed it up. I, I think so too. I think um, the getting rid of Montgomery, I thought was a bad move. Yeah, because when you have a pitcher, young pitcher that can pitch in New York, you yeah. have to think very careful on getting rid yes. of them. Cause that's a hard place to pitch. Because if you go and get somebody from another organization and you bring them in like case in point, small market, Oakland, small market, Kansas city, St. Louis is a big market mm-hmm. in its place, but it's not like the pressure that you have in New York. Yeah. And so you went to these small market teams to bring in these guys. And now you've got the bright lights on them. Mm-hmm. Now, can they step up or will they freeze? I don't think they'll, I think they're gonna, they'll still keep doing what they're doing. I, 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 I no. they made some moves that I didn't really agree with. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now the team that I I think getting Juan Soto, Batiste, yeah, I think um, they're basically telling the Dodgers, you go ahead and win first place. But, buddy, it comes down to one or three games. Mm -hmm. To three games, to uh, seven game series, and we're going to be right there waiting for you. Oh, yeah, they went all in. Yes. I mean, give give the Padres a lot of credit because for years the Padres wouldn't spend any money. Yeah. But now they're saying, we want the Dodgers. We're sick of hearing about them out here. So this is going to be pretty interesting to see what happens. And the Giants, oh, don't count them out. They're always in the thick of things. The Giants are always quiet. But the team that you always have to watch out for is the Cardinals. Yeah. Just when you think the Cardinals are not going to do anything for some odd reason, they come on strong late in the season and you're going like, wait a minute, where did they come from? Mm -hmm. 
So I always, and now that they've got Montgomery from the Yankees, they got a good solid pitcher. And now he's got no pressure on him. So I, I, I thought that was a, a very bad move by the Yankees, but mm-hmm. you will see if these moves work out for the Yankees. You know, I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> I tell you right now, I'm not looking forward to it. Uh. <laughs> now, guys, this is something um, I scratched my head about. And I'm still scratching my head and I got no hair. <laughs> is the Cleveland Browns quarterback, Deshaun Watson, has been suspended for six games without pay for violating the NFL personal conduct policy. Okay. They had an arbitrator to rule on it. And she gave them, she said, six games. She also said, I can, you don't have a policy in there for me to give him more games. Mm -hmm. So I can only reflect on what you've suspended players for in the past. Mm -hmm. So now Roger Goodell is trying to cover his butt and say, oh no, there's a clause in the contract that I can appeal this and I want to appeal it and I want to suspend him for the year, make him go to counseling. Oh, and by the way, um, I want $8 million. Mm. Now, Terry, what do you think? Well, I, I, I heard the same thing that you just said, Aaron. I feel like that the NFL to me could have potentially put their foot in their mouth um, because like you said, this arbitrator, she purposely from what I read gave, did the six game suspension, hoping that the both sides will sit down and try and come to a a resolution, whether that be um, eight or 10 game suspension. um, And they didn't and she took I, I heard I think she took like five weeks to make the decision but I think they might have messed themselves up because now you're talking about the NFL wants to appeal um and if they're recommending it which they are they're going for a full season Watson and his lawyers aren't going to go for that so they're going to appeal whatever decision that the NFL makes and I'm wondering at the end of the day through the whole appeal process with the NFL appealing and then Watson, I'm sure he's going to appeal. Mm-hmm. He could be on the field week one. Yeah. This stuff is going to take time. My opinion. I mean, but- you know, I, I just don't see the arbitrator made a decision. Yep. Right. So now you're appealing that decision and let's not, the, the case has or cases have went to court and what have the court said? I'm just going by the legal system. So this is stuff that the NFL is going to have to deal with. The, the player and the players union is not going to accept a full year suspension. They're going to appeal. They're going to tell them to go forward with an appeal. So um, but go ahead. Here's the thing, T. The NFL gets to pick the arbitrator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the um, both sides don't get to pick the arbitrator. So when you have a problem at a job, at your work job, and if you're union, both sides will pick the arbitrator, come to an agreement. Well, in this case, there is no coming to an agreement. Roger right. Goodell picks the arbitrator. Yeah. Yep. So he's going to try to pick an arbitrator that's going to favor him. Right. Uh, yeah, I understand that. But again, like I don't see Watson and his lawyer saying, well, we'll take the 12 unless. And he's like, listen, I just 
want this to be done with so I can move on to the next season. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see, I just don't see it. Right. Yeah. You went to an arbitrator and the arbitrator says six weeks. Now the NFL is coming back and saying, well, I, I could be wrong, but I just don't see Watson and his lawyer saying, well, we'll take the 12 and all the day. Yep. I agree right. with that. Yeah. And I, I agree with them having the independent arbitrator, as they were saying, she came down with the six. I thought there may be an appeal, but if it's anything more than eight games, I'd like Terry said, I think Watson's not going to go for more than that. And why should he? Um, and for the players themselves, this is something they need to look at for the next collective bargaining agreement. Roger Goodell, you got this guy who's in charge. Like you said, you had an independent arbitrator. Arbitrator. Now Roger Goodell gets to pick who he wants, or he can do it himself, which he probably ain't going to do it because he's not going to want that heat. So he'll pick somebody who he wants. Then, like you said, Aaron, they want additional money. So on Watson, and I look at it as he's in a tough bind. I wouldn't go for more than eight because that's the ruling she came down with. As Aaron said as well, they don't have statues of, of laws of how this is presidents and what to do. So she only went by off of what she can go by off of the legal system. Mm-hmm. On the other end, I just want to say this with this being said, and I said this before you got the players, you got Roger Goodell who talks about protecting the shield and the brand and the game. You got the owner from Miami. We're going to bring that up. We are. Oh, yeah. then I'll save that then. <laughs> but Who got but to your issues? point, yes. to your point, Brian. Allegedly, we've had owners. Um, Robert Kraft comes to mind. Yep. Um, there was a situation with Jerry Jones. Belichick. Um, right. So, what's protecting the brand, protecting the shield? I mean, he, Goodell's in a tough tough predicament because honestly who runs the shield yeah the owners yeah you know but i feel like you gotta you gotta make a decision and say con the same rules you hold up for conduct conduct for the players has to be across the whole organization and right now that doesn't seem to be the case yeah well what I what I couldn't understand is, <coughs> excuse me, was what was the NFL attorneys thinking when they when they drew this whole thing up? You're going to say, OK, if we don't like the ruling. We're still going to be able to appeal. If I'm paying all these attorneys millions of dollars. <clears throat> Why are you putting me in this position from the beginning? Just leaving a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. 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 This, yeah, this right. could be a like a long. I'm telling you, he could be out there week one. Yeah. It could be a I, long legal battle. Well, and here's then, one that looks bad for who? <laughs> Bless you. Thank yeah, you. That bad. looks bad for who? Yeah. League. <sighs> league yeah yeah well and here's one that's going to be thrown in the league's face there was two allegations with former pittsburgh steelers quarterback big ben and the league suspended him for six games and they reduced it to four so now you're upset about six and you want to go to 12 and you want to take $8 million away. Mm-hmm. You knew what was coming down the pipe when he signed that contract. 
He wasn't blinded by that contract. Yeah. He knew once it came to your office that he's only going to get paid $1 million. Mm-hmm. Common sense knows that his agent, the owner, and Deshaun Watson, he's going to get suspended. Yeah. And the person that you're really, because I don't think he's going to lose, be able to pay eight mil. I don't think he's going to wind up, my opinion, I think he's going to get suspended for maybe 12 or the season. And they're going to say, you can't take any money away. Well, if he doesn't play, what do you mean? You mean he will have to pay? I think that. I think that's going to get taken out. I think he will get wind up getting suspended for the season. Mm. But I don't think um, them being able to fine him $8 million, that's not going to work. Well, I want to see what this arbitrator find different than what she found. What is he? What, what will that person yeah. base it or Goodell base it off of that she didn't find? Well, Anybody can write something up and say, this is what I found, but it's going to, it's going to go to court. Do you think publicly, do you think the NFL would have did anything if, because they kind of got a lot of heat for the ruling that came down. If he got suspended for 12 games or fifth, or if he would have got suspended for the whole year, they would have been like, okay, fine. But because it was six games, a lot of people are like 21 women. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm not. But like you said, Ben, uh, it's one case scenario, but I don't, what do you, what do you go off of? Well, Even, was- yeah, what, what do you go off of? You, you can name a lot of players who got in trouble. Yeah. Well, uh, Ray Rice thing, right? What, what was the original suspension until the the video came out? Two games, I believe. Yeah, yeah. This okay. is gonna. This is guys. This is gonna be interesting. Yeah. But here's a little um, little soft touch. Um, before you doing that, yeah, yeah. I just want to give a shout out to Debbie Gamble's in the house. And and Phil, Phil Dixon is in the house. D. Philly D. Phil? What up? Pete Rock. <laughs> Glad you chose to hang out with us tonight, man. Yeah. Now, the NFL discipline um, Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross Tuesday, as the league stripped the Miami Dolphins of their 2023 first-round pick for um, other measures for tampering violations. The independent investigation led by former U.S. attorney Mary uh, Jo White uncovered one of the most extensive cases of tampering in league history. Over the course of two years, the Dolphins tried to recruit Brady and Coach Sean Payton to join the franchise when both were under contract with other teams. Brian, Terry, and starting with Terry, do you think it's a double standard for the owners? I mean, we kind of just talked about that a few minutes ago. I mean, and here's what, this is what I mean. This, this right here puts the NFL, in my opinion, in more of a predicament because we just talked about, right? There's, clear cut rules for tampering. Yep. Now they right. I've, I've heard reports that is without a doubt, there was tampering involved with Brady and Peyton. Right. Um, I know they talked about the Brian Flores. They said they <clears throat> couldn't find actual evidence of where the Dolphins wanted to throw games, but, there were some conversations that they did uncover that kind of said that um, it wouldn't be bad to 
um, get a first round draft pick. And what does that mean, basically? Um, but I mean, this is again, the NFL is in a predicament. I mean, how many? What are they talking about? How many games for him? Was it? Yeah, I think eight? he comes back and he oh, comes back in October. October, right? It's only I don't know how many games is that. I mean, he can watch it from his yacht. Yeah, he watch it yeah, from outside. And, and you're talking what a, a first round and a and a third. Yep. I mean, what does that? Let's say they they win the Super Bowl this year. Okay, take mm-hmm. my first round selection next year and the third and the year after. Um, you know, and then this is what I mean. This is some of that. Well, it looks like a, a double standard of the league right now. Um, what was the fine? Like two, uh, 1.5? 1. 1. 1. 1. 1.5. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, who's, <laughs> who's, how can I say this? I'll just say who's driving the, who's driving the boat, the owners or the, or the commissioner? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's kind of a double standard. And I, I think this right here is kind of is going to come up in the um, the Watson case. The, if the mm-hmm. lawyers are smart, they'll bring this up. Yeah. NFL is going to have some problems on their hands. I think is from a public relations move with the media is going to look it's going to give Roger Goodell a black eye. Yeah, because the bottom line is the NFL isn't owned by Roger Goodell. He's just an employee, just right. like the other players. And he mm-hmm. can be he can be fired at any given time. Yeah. And so it's kind of hard for the owner, I mean the commissioner, to come down tough unless he's got all the other owners saying, you got our blessings. And if he doesn't have the blessings of the other owners, you better tread light. <laughs> yeah. And from what you were saying, look at it as this. We were talking about Watson, right? And as we were talking about the integrity of the game, the shield, blah, blah, blah. As T said, the investigation, clear-cut evidence of tampering. But when you get into certain aspects of throwing games or something of that nature. Ah, we don't know nothing about that. It's a little fuzzy. We're not yeah. clear. They ain't say no, because yeah. if they come out, they ain't want to have that. So they just left it as we're not sure. So now we get into players, owners, responsibilities, you know, conduct. We talk about Watson. They wanting to give him so many games owner here doesn't really need to be at the game. Like you said, he could be on his yacht. He, he can be outside the stadium, wherever he wants to be. But the fine that he got, 1.5. No, that's nothing. This guy's a billionaire. But you want to find Deshaun, you say, what, 8 million or whatever. You want to take half of that. 1.5 is nothing <laughs> to them. Right. So for what he's doing, basically, if the Flores thing turned out to be what it is, which he kind of brought all this into the light about the tampering anyway, about that whole aspect of coming up. And let's not forget Brady. I'm not saying he knew or whatever, but he unexpectedly retired. Then he comes back. Do you, do you, we don't know if he knew anything was coming down the pike or anything, but to me, I, I think these owners got to be held accountable. But the only thing is, they're their own business. They got their own rules. They do what they want to do. We've seen evidence of that with Flores. We see evidence of owners doing what they want to do. I don't care. Tampering, talk to whoever. I'm going to do what I want to do they do not get hold to the same standards as the people that they say they employ. So there you have it. Well, most of the, well, the NFL has taken hits 
And when, <laughs> when you think they say, oh, the ratings are going to be down, boom, the ratings are up. Yeah. And the money comes in. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't find him money because he's still going to get money. Mm-hmm. The way you hurt him is through draft picks. You take a couple of draft picks away from him. You first take round. two first round picks away. It doesn't have to be the same year, but you can say one in 2023, one in 2025. No, I'd do it back to back. You got to make it hurt. Well, the problem is it's a business. Well, it's a business. The owners are not going to hurt another owner unless you do something. Case in point. There you go. (laughs) Because it's a business. Yeah. They won't do it. Exactly. That's it. You take a look, and it burns me when I think about it. Bill Belichick. He was he was cheating. Allegedly, and there was no allegedly. <laughs> he was doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they burned evidence, so we don't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> because they burned the evidence. Uh, they destroyed it. Because why? It was bad for business. Yeah, and. Though we love the game, those owners are going to protect the business. And, and that's now they what got, I have a problem with. They got problems with Snyder. Yep. Down there with the Washington Commanders. And they're trying every tactic in the world to get around it. Because the, why? It's a business. Yeah. And the reason why it's more of a joke for the owner to me is you, you said the money. Yeah, that's peanuts. But taking a one and then a four, a fourth round, and the next one, like a fourth round, that's nothing. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, well, what does that do? That's nothing. People give those away. No, fourth rounder. So I'm like, yeah, they they wasn't serious. Mm. Yeah. If, if, you know, he he looked at Roger Goodell and said, you know, if you want a contract extension. (laughs) Yeah. Hurt me and see how I hurt you. Yeah. Something's got to be done. Uh, I don't know how you solve that issue, but you. They're, they're too big. That, they're too big. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're, it's, it's unfortunate, but these owners are not going to hurt themselves. And <laughs> they just, they just showed it. Yeah. Now, guys. I got one for you. LeBron James has the chance to get a two-year extension for $90 million with the Los Angeles Lakers. Terry, would you sign on the dotted line or would you wait? Um, well, if you're asking me, I would sign <laughs> show me the money i'm signing yeah <laughs> but uh okay LeBron james scratch that scratch that with the eraser <laughs> terry if you're lebron james <laughs> and you're rich worth about half of a billion dollars would you sign it uh, there you go that's a better question well i i'll look at his history um and just say after his first contract or after his his contract with Miami, he's kind of been leading his, his own uh, destiny as far as his contracts and what teams he goes to. So he may not sign it. I mean, there's rumors of him wanting to play with, if not one of his sons, both of his sons in the league someday. I don't know if it's possible, but if anybody could do it with the way he takes care of his body, um, he can do it. But I don't think he's going to sign it, um, unfortunately. Um, I just think LeBron is his own man, and he's not going to – no amount of money, especially with him being a billionaire, is going to dictate 
mm-hmm. where he decides to play. Mm-hmm. It's going to be where he wants to go. That's what, what he'll decide to do. He wants to stay at the Lakers. Um, you know, he will. I mean, he's got some good business ventures going on out there. So that may be the reason why he stays. Um, but I don't think it would be solely because he wants to stay with the Lakers organization. Brian. Yeah, well, it won't be dictated by, dictated by money because, yeah, he, he his business accolade has set him up, so he doesn't need that. And he's pretty much been like that throughout his career. He hasn't really signed many long-term contracts anyway. Um, will he stay with the Lakers? I will kind of rephrase that question. I would say, would you guys say if he left the Lakers and went to another team, will he be chasing another championship instead of getting another championship? Because I think it will look more towards that at the end of his career to me than the way you're kind of saying it. So you think he would go chase one or will he try to get one there with the Lakers? I think he's always been chasing. Yeah, that, that's what some people say. To, uh, but when, when he left Cleveland, he left Cleveland, and I I don't blame him for leaving Cleveland. The first I was time. about to say, yeah, I don't blame him because management was terrible. They never had a good manager to get good players around them. So I don't blame him to going to Miami. Now, when he left Miami he saw the writing on the wall that eh, this team is only going to go this far and I'm ghost again. And he leaves Miami to go back to Cleveland because he sees that Cleveland's got a bunch of young, young players and they got Kyrie Irving and they put a, a couple of free agent pieces around, around them. So to me, he's a hired hand. So you you look at him as career. If he was to leave his career, you'll look at him as a chaser. That's what you're saying? Uh, yeah, ambulance chaser. Big time. <laughs> what would you take? Um, well, I mean, I, I don't know if I would say a, a, a chaser. I would say he's a builder. Um, he tries to get pieces in place. Because even when he went back to Cleveland, what they, what they had in place at the time, um, I don't know if he if he didn't make the suggestions allegedly to get these other players, they would have got a ring. Um, you look what he did when he went out to the Lakers, um, lobbying for Anthony Davis to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know if he's chasing more so than building, putting pieces around him wherever he goes to make sure that um, he can get a title. Um, Miami's a little different in the sense that, you know, I don't blame him for leaving. Um, And I think, let's face it, no one was coming to Cleveland. If he would have never won a championship and went back to Cleveland, um, there's no guarantee that Players would have came to play with him there, but um, you know he had won a championships or a couple championships. Championships change things, so uh, I can't call him a chaser, but I'll just say he puts pieces in place around him to to at least make a title run. One more question, and this you can make it real quick, both of you. Same question, chaser or not? He doesn't need the money. There was a little—I can't remember if it was on Twitter or a little comment that LeBron has said he would, would love to play with Steph Curry. What if he went to Golden State? That just—you can go ahead, T. Now you got it. Okay, I think that would just make him um, there. He would. He would. As high as we look at him with respect, it would drop him. 
It's just like you go to, you're saying, I'm going to have a party at my house tonight. Everybody's welcome. Well, nobody shows up to your party. Yeah. So you go next door because, hey, that's where the party is. Because your party stunk. But you're supposed to be the man. What you call it? Steve Kerr. Steph Curry is your arch enemy. He beat you. Yeah. So now, hey, guys, come on, please let me in. This this will help from for my for my career from for the history of LeBron. No, get out of here. I would tell him, no, go find your own way. <laughs> what do you think, say if he I I, I agree with Aaron. I, I think if he went to Golden State, like Aaron said, your your arch enemy, like you know, that's that's not how he grew up on sports, right? That's like saying uh, Larry Bird couldn't beat the Lakers, so let me go join Magic Johnson and vice versa. Magic yeah. joined the Lakers. But it's a different day and age now, but I agree. For him to go to Golden State, it would look like he's chasing a ring to kind of cement his legacy. Yeah. Yeah. But with that being, I got a question for you guys since we're on that. How do you guys feel about when Kevin Durant made that move from OKC to Golden State? And do you guys feel that did, did Golden State help Kevin Durant win the championship or championships? Or did Kevin Durant help them give get over the hump and beat LeBron and Cleveland to win those championships? I think he helped them get over the hump. So you do you view him with that being said, do you view Durant as somebody that was chasing a ring or rings? No. Because what you call it when it's you had three three dynamic players on that team in Oklahoma. You had Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. When they didn't want to sign James Harden and he was coming off the bench as the sixth man, I said, this team is, I said, they're done. When you got a man that's willing to come off the bench and pop 20 points off, who's got that? So you got a young nucleus right there. And so you begin to see the wheels fall off that Kevin Durant was maturing and he was getting it. And Russell Westbrook started turning into a diva. So that's that's how I feel. Uh, Me, I thought that I, I didn't think he was Jason. I thought maybe he saw insight to what maybe we were privileged to see maybe he, to me, I thought he said, I, I can't win with Westbrook <laughs> as the point guard. I, I can't win with this guy. So he was like, I'm out of here. So I had no problem with him going to golden state. I thought it was a dynasty when he went, but I had no problem with him going there. Um, did Durant make them better? Obviously he made them better, but they was already great, a great team. But with his skill set, they was virtually an all-star team out every night. People was just watching them like they were globetrotters beating up on some team that you were watching the Coliseum. But right. And and the brand of the brand of basketball they were playing was just was something to watch because all of them on any given night, any of them could score 40. And it was just whoever night it was, they just, um, Clay, you're hot. Go out there and shoot it. Steph, you're hot. Go shoot it. Kevin Durant, he only needed like 20 shots, and he was always hot. So yeah. it was like, ah. Uh, but I wish he would have stayed to see how many rings they would have probably won because yeah. they would still be right there. So, But so I don't think he was a chaser, no. If If Durant doesn't go to – Golden State, do they beat? Does Golden 
State win two more championships beating Cleveland? I, without him? I, I think it would be a split. I was about to say, I think they would have won one. I, two yeah. is a stretch, but they could have, but definitely I think they would have won one. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, guys, like Carol Burnett, I'm glad we had this time together. Ooh. But Ooh. <laughs> I have uh, two things to say. I, there was a, a report that came on today about. Aaron Rodgers <laughs> taking some hallucinant drug uh, to find himself. And he went on, he went on a podcast and talked about this. And Aaron Rodgers <laughs> is one of the faces for the NFL. Mm-hmm. And now what does now he can say to he can say to Roger Goodell, I was just talking about it mm-hmm. because the, the drug that he was taking was illegal Yeah, in the United yeah. States. Yeah. So what were you thinking? Evidently you wasn't thinking cause you don't care cause you, you're getting $40 million this year. Yeah. It's not going to be in your system now. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, hope he found himself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. I, I mean, wow. Incredible. And for the last one, so long, Ric Flair, the nature boy, retiring from wrestling at the age of 73. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen and and boys and girls out there, if you want to see an actor, a performer, go to YouTube and... Click on Ric Flair, the nature boy. Mm-hmm. This guy was a showman back in the day. And he had a saying, one of his favorite um, things when he was getting ready to go off the air, he would say, I'm a limousine riding, jet fl- plane flying, Whew, son of a gun, and then walk away. Or he would pull off his shoe and say, these alligator shoes right here, oh. they're $1,200. And look at the guy and goes, and what is that $150 suit that you're wearing right now compared to my $1,200 alligator <laughs> uh, And that's funny uh, you say that, Aaron, because I wrote that down too. I was like, what can I say about this guy? And you came up with, I came up with three and you got two. I said, he was a great performer. He was a great showmanship. He had great, great, uh, great showmanship, and he had style. Yep. He had a style that nobody had. Yep. Nobody had it. He was cool. He was clean. He had the suit on, as Aaron said. Yep. I got the gators, and he had that big that ring on his pinky. Yep. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and all the ladies love it. Vita <laughs> man. Yeah, you gotta beat them. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, indeed. He, I, and it's funny because I remember watching him, and you take it for granted until you get older, and then you go, you know what? He was pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah. Because so many wrestlers have come and gone, and are not good performers. Yeah, he was a great performer. Yeah. And to the wrestling world, we will miss the nature boy, the nature boy. Yeah. But guys, until (laughs) next week, maybe we should call Emerson a nature boy. Nah, just keep him as a, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, no. Already bad enough as it is. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't give him a more fluff. (laughs) So, ladies, gentlemen, we say adieu until next week. Yes, indeed. Terry, tell them about that subscribe button, please. Thank everybody for tuning in and listening in tonight. Please hit that subscribe button. Um, Leave your comments on how we can improve the show. 
and uh, tune in next week. We might have our, we'll call him the Swagger Boy, back on, <laughs> back <laughs> on the show next week. <laughs> night, everybody. Good night, Good night everybody. And I'll leave you with a couple of Ric Flair sayings. <laughs> but to be the man, you got to beat the man. <laughs> he was the one, man. <laughs> Classic. Oh.